Hi, it's Mackenzie, and this is the Mill Spouse Brief. Happy Friday. I hope you had a wonderful week and an awesome Labor Day. We got to go down to Emerald Isle, North Carolina, where my grandparents have a place, and it was wonderful. I loved it so much. It's probably my favorite place to go ever, and so just to lay on the beach for a couple days and soak up the sun, and we went boating and ate lots of yummy food and played a bunch of cards. It was honestly what I needed, and I'm really grateful that we had the opportunity to go. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks during those drives that we drive down there, and so I finished a really cool book that says Starts With Why, and then the other one I finished actually this morning and it was Extreme Leadership by Jocko Willink, and it was so good. It was like eight hours long, and I listened to it in less than a week. Like, it was so good. So I'm really excited to start um, some other books that I have in my queue. I've been using the DoD MWR, like, online library, and I've gotten so many books, obviously for free, just sent to my phone, and what's really cool about them is... You can put them on a wait list and you get them for like 21 days and overall I think it's just like awesome. So I think I'm going to come up with like my like you know how like the CNO has a reading list. I think I'm going to do like the mill spouse brief reading list or something of that. Um, but overall doing really well. This week was super good. I've had a lot of cool work experiences that I talked about on the podcast and then um, I had a really awesome mentorship session with my mentor, Lieutenant Commander Kara Hanley. She is amazing. I'm so grateful for her. And Cade's on a work trip, and it was his first solo work trip, so I'm really proud of him and all that he's learning and growing with his job with my dad. And overall, just to have a chill, quiet weekend coming up, so I'm really excited. Today on the podcast... My friend and I, Justin Kraft, I met him at OCS and we just like clicked like almost instant. I felt like he was like a brother from another mother. And what's been really cool is to see his friendship with Cade blossom now that we're out of OCS. And so we used to joke that like he wouldn't be my friend anymore. He would just be Cade's. And so it's fun to see him come over for dinner and talk to Cade and all like the things that they like bond over. And so I'm really excited that they'll have each other while I'm deployed. Kraft is honestly one of the most like inspirational, like 10 out of 10 hardworking people. One of the cool things at OCS is that we get um, to nominate someone in our class towards the end and because and Kraft ended up being in a different class, and so I'm so grateful that he was able to be nominated, and he won this award, and it's the Commander Jack Levitt Leadership Award, and this is what it says, so this is how we kind of determine who it goes to. It says, presented to the candidate chosen by their peers who most inspired his or her class and personifies the highest standard of personal example, sound management practice, and moral responsibility, award presented by the Newport Council of Navy League. And honestly, I don't know a more deserving person than Kraft to get this award. When I found out that he got it, I was so happy. I like, couldn't believe it. I mean, I could believe it, but I was just super happy that his class recognized him and gave it to him. And I feel like we have a really great conversation here on the podcast. We talk all about adjusting with life after OCS. And most people after OCS, they go to what's called an eye stop before you go to your schoolhouse and it's kind of a weird position to be in and so we kind of talk about the highs and lows to that and the pros and cons and what we've got to experience and I'm really grateful that Kraft took the time to come on the podcast and I'm very grateful for his friendship and I can't wait to see 
what it turns into in the next couple years and honestly like his path like I feel like he's one of those people that you meet and you're like wow you're just destined for greatness and so I'm really excited to see where his career goes and all that he's going to experience with his time in the Navy and without further ado I hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode. All right so I'm here with Kraft. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, Alright, well, uh, I was born in Woodby Island, Washington. Um, I grew up moving around a whole lot. Um, Why did you have to move around so much? Uh, my dad was Navy as well, so um, we spent time in Maryland, Guam, um, Rhode Island, uh, you know, so. Where was the best place that you had growing up that you really enjoyed? Guam, 100%. Really? How long did you live there? What ages? Um, we were there three years. Uh, I turned four as soon as we moved there. Um, so I was four, five, and six. And then we moved back to the States and I started first grade. So That's so neat. Yeah. All right. And one of the things that for me was really cool at OCS was like you knew so much already not being a prior and we learned that was because you went to a military college so how about you talk about that because i'd never heard about that yeah so um i went to the citadel um down in charleston south carolina which is so pretty yeah uh, it's gorgeous um great place to be um but citadel was awesome uh not everybody there has to go into the military um typically usually see about like 35 40 percent of a graduating class will go active duty um, what my, are the benefits of like going to the Citadel or what like interests you to go down there? Uh, so one thing they say like as you get older is networking is really big. Um, and if anybody who wear they call it the band of gold, um, you know, the ring and stuff like that. Uh, anybody who wears the band of gold, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a huge network. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to go anywhere um, once I started attending the Citadel or any time I graduated, I haven't been able to go anywhere and not run into an alumni. That's cool. And it's, it's something where, you know, you're out to eat, somebody pays for your meal, somebody comes over and they give you their business card. Um, you know, they, they want to get to know you, they want to invite you out, they invite you over to their, like their place. Um, it's just, it's really cool. You, it feels like you have mentors, you have friends all over and you haven't even met these people. That's so, neat. And yeah. so... It's a military college, so how does that necessarily work? Um, so, like I said, usually about like 35-40% of uh, kids, once they graduate, they'll go into service. My graduating class was around like the 50% mark, so we had a, a large majority um, go into service. Um, it's like a normal college in the fact that like we have ROTC programs for all branches, so Navy, Marine Corps, um, Army, Air Force, and yeah. we have a Coast Guard attachment as well. Um, the rest of the students there are still cadets, so they still wear a uniform. They still live the military lifestyle, uh, inspections, you know, um, but they don't have a service requirement following graduation. Okay. So you still have normal classes. Uh, you just, you know, you wake up, you have PT in the morning, you have formation, everybody eats breakfast, chow together, then you go to class, and then after that, whatever you want to do, extracurricular activities. Um, sports, whether it's uh, a Division One sport there on campus or a club sport or intramural. So. And then, is it similar to military, where like everyone's living in dorms slash barracks all four years, or? Yes. Yeah, so there's no living off campus. Um, 
it's a relatively small school, so it was about 2,500 kids when I was there. Okay. Um, everybody lives in the barracks, so we had five battalions, you know, one through five. Um, I started in 2nd Battalion in Paget Thomas Barracks, and I ended in 4th Battalion. So it was, it's pretty cool. Um, usually you, you either change battalions or change companies if you get in trouble or if you take a command position. So um, I took command in November Company my senior year, so I moved over to 4th Battalion. That doesn't surprise me at all. Craft is like a born leader, which you'll learn later on through this podcast. Um, what would you say is like your biggest takeaway from going to the Citadel? Um, my biggest takeaway, uh, it's, uh, the, I, you know, people say the joke, it's not that deep. Um, the Citadel is a very serious place. Uh, it's great. You learn a lot. You, um, actually, I would say I have two, but one, it's not that deep, you know. Um, don't take it too seriously. Uh, I definitely did for a little bit, and um, you kind of sit back and have, like, a realization, like, hey, like, we need to enjoy this. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Um and then the second one is the people you go through things with are the people that are going to be there for you forever. Um, especially, you know, just today's day and age, it always seems like it's hard to find like real genuine people. Um, some of my closest friends that I've ever had in my life that I still have to this day are from the Citadel. So that's neat. Yeah, pretty cool being out here in Virginia, like running into a couple of them now. So yeah. still get to link up together. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right, so let's talk about OCS. So one, uh, let's talk about kind of like how we became close which is honestly just because of our last names so like the first like what six seven days of everything is just alphabetical order oh dental any kind of uh you know your audiology your vision medical any of the briefs like you just like walk in alphabetical order to everything haircuts you know (laughs) y'all didn't even get your haircut um and so i feel like every turn i like looked it was craft sitting there and so then you start to get to know them and then all of a sudden that's kind of like and then we realized our rooms were right next to each other or like down the hall but closer than like other rooms mm-hmm. um so I feel like that was like kind of a big way of like how we got close as we were always sitting next to each other for at least the first like six or seven days and so we kind of created this like little group um if you've listened to a couple of the past episodes Bowen was on and then we had another member his name was Caldwell and it was like us four for the first like what I would say week and a half mm-hmm. and we studied together and what was really cool was craft had so much information and knew how to like make beds and crafts craft is shining shoes he is amazing mm-hmm. at shining boots um and I remember like sitting there like it's not working and then you're like just give it to me and like then all of a sudden it's like a perfectly shined boot and you're like well that's amazing <laughs> yeah, two different two different looking boots there for a second right um and so that was what was really cool was to learn like you had all this information and especially when it came to like getting our rifles and doing the rifle manual like you were just so um knowledgeable about all these things and it was so cool because everyone asked you are you a prior and you're like, no. And I was like, how does he know all these things, <laughs> you know? Um, so how about you talk about kind of getting COVID and rolling and what that situation was like at OCS? Yeah, so, um, you know, everybody likes to come in confident and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you don't want to rule anything out. But, you know, I went into it. I was like, ah, I'm not going to roll. I'm not going to have any trouble, like, whatsoever. Um, and the reason I did roll obviously wasn't had nothing to do with, like, a, you know, it was out of my hands. Um, but COVID broke out and hit what about half of our class. Oh yeah. We lost like, I think almost 20 people from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it sucked. It was definitely hard. Um, you know, people talked about having to like do the whole like quarantine, like while you're training, 
uh, and it wasn't fun. I mean, we had so many people that were sick, unfortunately, that we were stuck in rooms together just Which because there was crazy. no, yeah, it was weird, but at the same time, there was no space. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool. I did get to meet some of the other guys, uh, you know, like Peacock and, and uh, Belmont and stuff like that. So I got stuck in a room with them. I say stuck. I don't mean it in a negative way because those guys were awesome and it let me like build that bond and friendship with them. Um, and ultimately, it, us would class up the next class together. Which um, is crazy because that first week at OCS, you're split into companies and you really don't see the other company like almost at all. And so I remember us like being in golf company and only really knowing golf company. We knew a few people from hotel depending on like if they had friends and you like, but really did not know a lot of golf people or hotel, excuse me. And then everyone got COVID. And so I remember like seeing you like four, six weeks later and like talking and you rattling off these people's names that you're close with like Belmont and Peacock. And I was like, where did these guys come from? And you're like, they were original one, three tack two, two. And I'm like, they were absolutely not. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but they were all hotel. And so when you guys mm-hmm. all got sick, so that was kind of like cool because I was like, I didn't even know they were in our class. And that's when, for me, I was like, I really need to know who's in my class. Like that was the one of the bigger reasons that I switched companies, not knowing that I was going to be made CO, but I switched company because I was like, there's a lot of people in hotel that I do not know. And I really want to get to know my class because that's what's going to help me be a better leader. Mm-hmm. And then it helped when I became CO because then I was like, all right, now I know everybody in my company. It's definitely in a leadership position. It's, it's easier to um, get things done and also kind of like rally the troops to all be on board the same mission if you know your people. So, yeah. so real quick, what was holding company like and how did you deal with the fact of this was not what you envisioned? Obviously, you wanted to just get in and get out and stay with 1-3. But what was it like going to holding company and then going down to 1-4 TAC 2-2? Um, holding, I would say, it, I mean, try and always look at it in a positive light. I got into holding at a good time um, just because majority of the people that were in there were either people that got rolled for first Friday that shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw people like James and Lemus Rivera, both priors from the fleet, who those guys were awesome, squared away. They knew their stuff. They were in physically, like they were in great shape. It, it was weird that they kind of got picked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, you hear those stories about that. Um, but then the other guys that I got rolled with for COVID and stuff, they were all squared away guys, physically fit. They were ready to go. Uh, so it, it was awesome. Um, I was down there with Coelho as well. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he got put down there for another dumb reason. Um, but I was down there with just such a good group of guys. All we do down in holding is PT. Yeah. So three times a day, you know, we, we had the pool, we had the gym, and then we had the track. And we were out there three times a day. We had Chief Mascarena who um, would pull us to the side and give us mentoring sessions because would be slaying PT and it, it was to the point where he was like you guys are ready like there's no point I know you're not down here for something that you did but yeah you know so I was down there at a good time I think that helped keep everybody in a positive light for the most point um but rolling up to 1-4 at first you know we all kind of looked at each other and we said hey like you know 1-4 like when they first came in we noticed they were just it seemed like they were slow getting started compared to 1-3 um but you know we're obviously all going to have an opinion, but I think 1-4 really picked it up. And you guys like set a good foundation, and then for us to follow through, um, I feel like 1-4 did really well. They took what y'all did and finished it strong. Uh, the class team for 1-4 was phenomenal. I enjoyed every member of our class team, both our LTs, our chief, and our staff sergeant. 
Um, <laughs> Your staff sergeant is one of a kind. He's that man is motivated. Scary. Motivated just doesn't just doesn't do it justice. That guy. I think specifically because he came straight off the drill field and he mm-hmm. didn't have a three year commitment like a lot of the other um, DIs have, where they like go be a gunner or a drill instructor and then go back to the fleet for the Marine Corps and then come to OCS. The fact that he had just finished up in San Diego at that depot mm-hmm. and then came straight here. Like I follow some of the DIs down there and like we have mutual friends and people that you know like from living out in California and I think about like seeing them and then him coming and it makes so much sense why he was the way he was because he did not have an adjustment period back into the Marine Corps. That passion is still there. Oh, it is. And that's the coolest thing for me was watching the DIs be DIs. Like I know a lot of people hated it and it was really scary, but it was so cool because I was like, oh my gosh, this is what Kate experienced for 13 weeks and they're hysterical. I've never met funnier people than DIs. I think it kind of, it gives me flashbacks to like the Citadel um, just because that's kind of similar to what you know your life's like there is like yeah. being a knob or a freshman you know an upperclassman and stuff it's, it's kind of similar to more of that like drill instructor mindset um so like i've really bonded with staff sergeant. like i really when he was around and he was sitting there yelling like i was all into it so yeah and he was yeah. he was really good because i think a lot of time our, sometimes our frustration with like staff at ocs was they weren't practicing what they preach mm-hmm. but i felt like the di's no matter what we're on top of it. We're mm-hmm. always like, hey, whatever I'm asking of you, I can do as well. And I really respected that. I think that was one thing from all of one four's class team. And we had our end of course critiques. And I made sure to like point this out to all of them, like face to face in front of everybody. Because I thought they needed to hear it. They all did that from one four. That's um, awesome. Yeah, like Chief Carter was uniform squared away, PT squared away, him and Staff Sergeant. Um, and the LTs came in and did a, an individual like spirit run on a weekend with us just oh, because cool. we wanted to do something with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were always in there before we were Yeah. and they were, it wasn't like they were cutting out early at the end of the day. Like they were around if we needed them. Uh, so. And that means yeah. a lot cause it sets the, the right example. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So I did a mentorship session with staff sergeant for like an hour and a half on a Saturday wow. after, you know, just like doing like billet stuff you know and you see him and you think oh he's a staff sergeant you know he's a di he's not gonna like he's not gonna be able to put like words of wisdom that man just laid it all out there and that was probably some of the best advice i've ever been given that's wonderful all right so talk about being exo yeah so um i know you did a podcast on each phase so in doc phase um when we rolled up to one four which is weird so these guys had already been together for about a week and a half um, and I rolled up and immediately came from H straight to the classroom where they were mm-hmm. and jumped into the elections right away. Um, so I delivered my speech, just pretty much told them who I was, what I stood for, what I expected from them and what they could expect from me. Uh, and I was elected as XO and Koala was the CO. So him and I had kind of like talked about doing this before when we were down in H. Uh, so getting up there and like being able to like live that out was awesome. Um, XO was great. The people there, uh, we had a lot. We didn't have as many priors as y'all did in one three, mm-hmm. so I would say there was a bigger learning curve. But yeah. once people picked it up, uh, they took it and ran with it. So well, that and like you guys just had so much knowledge 
already of going through part of Indoc and watching 1-3. You know, as much as it sucked to be part of holding because it wasn't your fault, you know, COVID mm-hmm. and Quillo's health thing, it's frustrating. But at the same time, you were able to be such a light to 1-4 to help them through that time of Indoc where you're literally just walking around almost with like a blindfold, it feels like. Yeah. I, knowing, you know, you and Bowen and Fuxa and all them, being able to come and like check in and see how you guys were doing and then kind of get like the scoop. Yeah. It made it easier because then we could pass down that information to them. Yeah, because so. we'd be like, here's our study material. Here's this. Here's that. And then because you're such a great leader, you're able to then give it out to your class, mm-hmm. which obviously made a big difference in how 1-4 did so well. Yeah, uh, especially when it came to inspections and stuff. I feel like we were just very well prepared for the inspections just because... We did have that gouge like flowing down on us. So and you had like awesome. correct gouge. Yes. Because like a lot of times at OCS, you'll hear gouge and it's like four classes away and it's like, oh, well, I was told this and I was told this instead of like, hey, this is what firsthand happened to me to like let you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that like obviously kind of makes a difference. Um, share your funny story about being woken up at two in the morning. <laughs> All right. So uh, I won't throw any names out there on this one. <laughs> if anybody listens to it, I uh, don't know exactly who. Um, uh, but this gentleman, he uh, he was going to be our section leader for the next day. Um, and section leader, you know, he's in charge of revving everybody, you know, uh, waking everybody up in the morning, making sure they get to uh, all their classes and their chows on time. You keep like a tally of the amount of people you have with you at all yeah. times. You're just, it, you're you're in charge of your entire company or your entire class for the day. Um, well, you know, we're supposed to rev at 05, so usually you rev at 0430 on your own, shave your face, you know, get dressed, and then at 5 you post out of your room ready for the day. Uh, well, this, this fine young gentleman... <laughs> He's yelling. the best. He's like yeah. literally hysterical. Like bless his heart. He's amazing and this like super sweet guy. But it just fits the character. He's a very funny guy, and he he toughed through a lot of stuff while he was there. He's an ensign now, so you know, congratulations to him. Can't wait to see him out here in the fleet. But uh, <laughs> same. He uh, decided to post everybody out at zero two hundred, so two a.m. Uh, in the morning, and. I was, I believe I was still XO at the time, and I put my head out, and I look at him, and I'm yelling down the end of the P-Way, what the hell are you doing? And he's, uh, he's like, what, what do you mean? And I said, dude, it's, it's 2 a.m. And he looks down at his watch, and presses some button twice, and then looks at me confused, because he had his watch set wrong. Oh, no. And, like, the thought of getting revved at that time, because all of a sudden you're laying in bed dead asleep. You're not ready to post out in whatever no. you're supposed to look like, you know, whether it's PT gear or just and something. It's, it's jock face, so everybody just got their watches back. So everybody's looking to see that it's 2 a.m., and they think that we're about to, like, go get crushed in the pit at, like, 2 a.m., <laughs> you know? Like, something, staff sergeant just got heated about something, and he needs to get it off his chest. Like, I don't know. Bro, can you imagine? Can oh, that would have been wild. That would have been, I can't even imagine if I got woken up that early because a staff member was upset. It would have gone down in like the books. It, yeah, it would have been, honestly, like that's one of those things like you write home about, like you always laugh about it. Yeah. So we laughed about this one in a completely different way, but he's like, oh, my watch is set wrong. So, you know, I'm like, oh, so everybody shuts their door, slams their door, goes back to bed. We wake up a couple hours later, but, uh. Yeah, that was definitely one we still laugh about today. Oh, that is just super, I just love it. All right, so we are going to now transition into what 
it's been like after OCS, getting to Norfolk, all that kind of stuff. So how about you start with what was the transition like from graduation to like getting to Norfolk? Um, so we got our orders like less than 24 hours before we graduated. Which is crazy. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in the officer life, it's, it's typically, I mean, you'll kind of get information early, but sometimes you just kind of get thrown to the wolves late. Um, so it, it wasn't too bad. I was able to go home, spend a couple of days of leave, uh, see some family, load up any personal belongings and bring them down here. Uh, getting down here, it's one of those things, if anybody ever, you know, if you do get in and stuff like that, don't think it's just going to happen in, you know, the blink of an eye. It's, it's a slow process. You know, you're going to check in, you get your order stamped and all that stuff. You may do a couple of things and then that's it. And then the next day you come in, you may come in for an hour. And then the following day, you know, you may not come in at all. Um, so I think it was just a weird transition. I thought I was going to be able to just come in and try and jump into, you know, obviously not doing work. I haven't been to, you know, school and stuff. But uh, I figured I would have done a little bit more than just shooting a text in the morning saying that I'm alive. And I think that's what's hard, at least for me, because... You know, we still have to go to our schoolhouses. Your starts in October, just like mine, just in different places because uh, crafts and IP and I'm a PAO. And I think that was what was super hard was I show up and like I've talked about in the last couple episodes, like OCS is this high adrenaline, stressful, like it's fun, but like you are going from about 4 to 4.30, depending on how early you got to wake up. Sundays, it's 3 or 3.30. Oh, till, my bill had me up 2.30 every morning. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. PT, but like, you know, like if you're revving in docs, like you're up anywhere from, I would just say like on average 4 to 4.30 until about 9 to 10, if not later, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just that constantly day in and day out. And your body almost kind of gets in this like, high drive where that's all it like you know like even like taking a nap at OCS during like super candio phase fell off like it felt great but it felt off you're like I'm supposed to be doing something why am I not doing something you know and so for me coming here to then like checking in and then be like yeah we work two days a week and it's just for a couple hours and like then we telework and it's really chill and relaxed it was hard for me and it wasn't something I expected to be super hard because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm ready to go. Like, we're motivated. It's low maintenance. It seems like it would be really easy because it's like, oh, I don't have to do all this work. But it's, in my opinion, it's almost harder to do that because you don't have a routine. You're yeah. not in a rhythm. Oh, the lack of routine mm-hmm. was so hard because I was like, I thrive off routine. Like, I am such a routine person. And so the fact that it was like, oh, well, you don't have to do anything today. And I'm like, well, what do I do? And I had the house, but I had nothing. I had an air mattress, a cutting board, a knife, and some pots and pans. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all I had. And so I was like, I'm still waiting for my stuff. Cade's not here. Almost most of my friends didn't come to Norfolk. And so then it was really hard because I was like, man, I don't really know anybody. I'm not getting to like have those interactions at work. Mm -hmm. And because barely people were in the office when I'd show up to work, I'd just be like walking around the halls, like not knowing anyone. And I expected people to come up and introduce themselves when it's like, no, you got to go introduce yourselves and then they'll like talk to you. That's, I think the one thing I I have noticed here was, you know, OCS, when you walk to P-Ways, if you walk past anybody, you greeted them. Yes. Didn't matter who it was, you know. You greet everybody. And mm-hmm. Cade always thinks it's so weird because now I'm in the habit. I greet every person I walk by. And Cade's like, you don't need to say hello or good morning to everyone. Yeah. I'm like, but it's such a habit now ingrained in me. Well, and I just see it as like, a, you know, 
you one spread the kindness, but two just having like respect. Yeah. And you know, uh, I get there in the building now, and the people I work with are great. If you introduce yourself or say something, you know, um, but because we do have a lot of like contractors coming in and out and stuff like that, they'll walk with their head down. They just walk straight to where they're going. They go do their job and they walk out and leave. And it's like, it's kind of, it's just, it just seems weird because you know you come from always saying something to now it's like, you know kind of trying to almost like duck it, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think what was really hard because something for me that I've talked about was I loved OCS and the fact that I was with my friends every single day. And even if we were like going through like crappy experiences, we were like together, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was what was cool was like, even like with craft being in one four, I still saw them all the time in the P ways when we're like walking to and from class in the chow hall, you know, and especially when you get to candy phase and you can like, have more time to like chill and relax and like hang out and stuff like that. And so that was the thing was I got to literally live with my friends every single day. I had people all the time. And so for me going from that to living in a house by myself and like not even really talking to people at work. Cause like for a while it was like maybe one other officer was in and then maybe like one or two enlisted if it wasn't a Monday. And so I was like, this is so weird. And so for me, it was so, so much harder because I would just sit in this house and be like, what am I supposed to do? And then it was like when it was the heat wave, so it was like 95 degrees outside. And I was like, this is miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, and so the transition outside of OCS was a lot harder than I expected it to be like 110%. I would almost rather do the transition to OCS than have done the transition like here. Yeah. And it's weird to like even think about that, mm-hmm. but it was almost better to be like culture shocked into OCS. Yeah then and I think for me yeah like you said the lack of routine was really hard and I feel like it's still hard like I'm so excited to go back to school in October because I'm like I will have something every single day I'll know exactly what my schedule is yeah at least I know like all right I got class at 08 you know if we get out early we get out early that's fine it gives me time to like you know if I want to go to the beach or I want to go hang out with friends or you know I want to call family back home like I have that time but man at least at least I know like hey at this time in the morning I got to be up I got to be here yeah. so I can get my workout in early I can eat breakfast I can do whatever but right now it's like if I don't have to be up and I'm not going into the office till 12 I'm going to you know I'm not going to be as motivated to wake up early and that's what's hard for yeah. me is like I'm such an early riser like I like waking up early mm-hmm. and I like so like so even today I didn't have to be in the office practically almost till 9 to administer the advancement exam, but I woke up at 5.30, got all ready, headed out the door at 6, went and picked up the donuts for my sailors for the test, showed up to work, worked out, showered, got ready, and then like went, kind of like did my rounds in the office talking to people, and then got ready for the exam and started administering it. And so for me, I like have tried to just start waking up early and like almost forcing myself to go to work early, like on Tuesday... We didn't have to be at work till nine because we had Monday off. And I literally went and I think it at like 7.30 and I just worked until nine because I was like, I can't do this whole like not wake up and like get working mm-hmm. because I feel like it messes up the whole rest of my day. A hundred percent. I always feel so much better when I wake up. Like even if I'm not going for a far run, even if I just wake up, just run for like two, three miles. I like to wake up, go for a run, come back, eat breakfast, sip on a cup of coffee and then I can go start my day. Yeah. And then I feel good. I feel like, all right, even if the rest of the day doesn't go good, I the beginning part of my day is accomplished, you yeah. know? So hopefully, you know, once school starts, we stay in that routine. That's what I hope. What was really interesting for me was I, 
have always loved like exercise, working out, like all that kind of stuff. And I remember it was like, I think the first or second week of August. So it was the second week of August. I, um, I called my personal trainer. Her name's Katie. And I was like, Katie, I'm like really struggling. And she's like, yeah, what's going on? And I was like, I have zero desire to work out. I was like, I have been packing workout clothes. I will put them on. And I will still not be able to convince myself to work out. And she's like, that's really unlike you. Like, I live to work out every day. Like, it is what makes me feel good. It's what I love. That's why we bonded there at OCS because we both like to. Yeah. And then that was, like, the thing is when we were given extra time, I always saw you out on the track on Saturdays Mm -hmm. and Sundays. Because that's, like, we had extra time to, like, move our bodies and go and do that, you know? And so I called her and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I, I can't literally force myself to go work out. And she was like... And so I'm thinking, all right, she's going to tell me, like, you need to do, like, 75 hard. You need to do, like, something that's, like, really motivating you. And so I'm like, I'm ready. I'm like, Katie, what are you going to give me? And she's like, you're not to work out for the next entire week. And I'm like, bro, what? And she's like, nope, you're not. Like, don't work out for this entire week. And I'm like, I, I only worked out three times last week. Like, I, I need to work out this week. And she's like, no, I, I really think that you need to take an entire week off. Like, 110% entire week off. And I was like what are you talking about? Like that, that sounds miserable. I love to work out. And she said, your body is going through this like overdrive that it still feels like it needs to be like that at OCS. Mm -hmm. And she says, she was like, you need to just relax and take that whole week off. And she goes, and I really think that by the end of the week, your drive to work out will be back. And that's what happened. It was wild. So I'm like, all right, fine. I won't work out. So Monday I don't work out. Took a two and a half hour nap. I normally take like 30 minute naps if I need a nap, but my, I took a nap every single day, Monday through Friday. I didn't even know I was tired. Your body was just beat. And so that's why I was like, I haven't even been doing that much. But she was like, your body was in such an overdrive for those three and a half months that finally when it got off of it, it was like, I, I literally can't function. And so it was so interesting because I didn't think that giving myself a week off would like change the game, but it really did. I, I had literally the same exact thing, you know, because, like, my, like, drive to go work out, I felt like I was dragging myself to get there. And when yeah. I got there, I was, like, you know, starting to cut things short because I was, like, man, I'm just just not feeling it. Like, it's just not right. And I just took, like, three, four days, and I just didn't really do anything. I went for maybe a couple walks or something just to, like, still stay moving. Yeah. But then after that, it was, like, you know, I found a good CrossFit gym to check into and stuff like that. And now it's like, I can't stay out of the gym, you know? And that's how I felt. And it was weird to like see that occur Mm -hmm. because I was like, I didn't think that that was what was going to fix the problem. I didn't think that like resting and giving myself that time to like fully rest. And it was interesting because she said, you're going to come to a point probably on Thursday or Friday when you want to work out, but don't. And it was interesting because by Thursday and Friday, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to work out so bad. And she says, if you just hone into that and don't do it, by Monday, you'll be so ready to go. You won't even have that like, oh, I only want to work out. Like, and so that was the thing. It was like almost taking it away made me crave it. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I didn't realize like truthfully how much my body had been in that overdrive because once I napped every day for like two plus hours, I was like, I'm still getting a whole like eight and nine hours of sleep. I can't believe I'm still this tired during the day. And you didn't really have any R, they call it R&R, like rest and relaxation. So like typically like after you finish 
um, say like a training or like if you come back from a deployment or something, they'll give you like a week or two of like R and R. Yeah, leave. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of like, you know, relax because you go from being in like you know a hundred percent just go 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 high stress like yeah. constantly on. They need to give you something to like let you wind down before you come back to the world, so you're not like freaking out and like you know just causing causing problems um, or like stress in your own life. And like you know, you leave OCS and you don't get that. You get orders. You immediately go to your duty station. And I did. I literally yeah. checked in the next day that I possibly could. I mm-hmm. took one day to like extra to travel. Yeah, mine was. I had to just fly home, get my stuff. I spent I think a day with family, and then the next day I was rolling out. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so that's the thing is, it was so interesting for me to like see how much better I was, just like mentally and physically, to just take that week off, and it helped mm-hmm. me kind of like now have that desire again to like actually work out and like go to the gym and create goals and set new workups up like workouts out and things like that and so it was just really interesting to see that change and like adjustment no 100 percent. yeah so the other thing i want to talk about was we have been kind of going through this where you come here and the navy does these wonderful things quote unquote wonderful called eye stops mm. and so we're at our commands but not really and we're in this inter it's called an intermediate stop and so it's basically like hey we stashed you here because you need to go to your school but your schoolhouse didn't start until like after you commissioned so you're checking into this place you're really not doing much and oh by the way we can't really pay you properly you can't really get email access um all of your databases are going to be like screwed up your id still might not work um but like just survive please yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the, this whole, the iStop thing, um, it's been good when it comes to, uh, I mean, for, for my command where I'm at, um, like I said, the people have been great, they're very friendly, um, I just had a meeting with my CMC today, uh, which is great, I mean, he, you know, dropped some knowledge bombs on us for sure, which was, well, it was awesome, you know, hearing it from him, and That's very welcoming, open door, you know, you can go in and see them pretty much any time, um, but it's... The command I'm at isn't really meant for eye stops, uh, you know, because you you had to have a certain security clearance. You had yeah. to have all that. So it took us about our first two weeks here just to be able to get um, badges to get in. Um, so, you know, now that we're doing that, we're in the building, we're getting to do, you know, a little bit of work and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's just weird because we don't get to do the work that our job is supposed to, you know, entail. Yeah. I tell myself when someone asked, I have a, a person checking into my command in a couple days and I'm his sponsor. And so he was asking about it and he said, well, what do you really do? Because we're going to the same schoolhouse together uh, in October. And I said, the best way I can explain it is right now we're doing officer things, not our job title mm-hmm. officer things. Like I, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things that like fall into like the divo role versus the PAO role. No, hundred percent. Uh, I mean, right now, um, just dealing with contractors, we have a lot of uh, our enlisted sailors who are um, escorting the contractors and everything like that, um, and they're the ones in charge of not in charge. They're the ones leading the watch, so they they have one person sitting there watch at the watch table, you know, for the duty section. Um, but then I'm just there as the officer overseeing it as like the divo. Yeah. So you know, I just come by hey have you eaten lunch no all right you two people go eat lunch when you guys come back these two guys will go eat lunch you know guys gals um but you know it's just kind of 
walking around checking on people. Hey, do you need a head break? Do you need a water break? You know, and just kind of like doing stuff like that. But otherwise, I'm just kind of there to like pulling the divo role. So yeah, and so it's, for me, it's been interesting. It's been cool though because I feel like I've really gotten to know my sailors and I've gotten involved in like MWR and CFL and like today I did the advancement exam. Right now, it's kind of like the joke in my uh, command where they're like, "Oh, you don't want to do something? Just go give it to Culver because she'll do it. She's like excited to do anything right now." <laughs> Um, and so it has been cool to like do kind of the mundane things just cause I feel like I'm able to learn and mm-hmm. get to experience those things. Cause I know when my job gets busy and I'm working up for my deployment, that's probably not going to be the biggest thing on my mind. Cause I'm not going to have as much time to do like the extra things. I'm still going to do them. Of course, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm not, but I don't have any quote unquote PAO responsibilities right now that are taking up my time. So I have almost like all the time in the world to like do Divo things, which is really cool because at OCS, all they do is harp on Divo things. I would say, like, the big takeaway. So, you know, it sounds like we're sitting here harping on eye stops and, like, you know, how it's kind of like a weird concept. And at times it doesn't seem like it's always the best, but it it ultimately lets you become an officer. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it, at OCS, you're just – you're there. You're just going through it. People are telling you how to do things. But ultimately, like, you need that experience to, like, go through and actually do it. Um, so I think – the eye stops has been good because like you said, you get to know your people, you get experience actually doing like the Divo job. Um, so when it comes to you doing your job, the Divo stuff, like you already have something to fall back on. No, I agree. And I think the other thing that we've kind of touched on and we can touch on it a little bit more is just that this is like the perfect opportunity for networking. I feel like every time Kraft comes over for dinner with Kid and I, we like get to share more stories about who we ran into and different connections that we've had. And I really feel like that's something like Kraft and I are really big about is networking. And so I feel like that's the other cool thing about an ISOP is you don't have as many responsibilities. So you have a lot of time to network and to run into people and all of a sudden like you talk to someone, so tell them your uh, story about the Citadel when you're leaving the next. Yeah, so um, I had on uh, one of my Citadel t-shirts. Uh, I was in the Summerall Guards there at the Citadel, so it's uh, like an elite like drill unit there. Um, but I was walking out of the next. I just went over there with one of my buddies so he could get his, his Coyote Brown boots. And um, I'm walking out, and a gentleman pulls up in a, a big you know, <laughs> Suburban next to me, and he's like, hey... Did you go to the Citadel? And I'm like, oh, yes, sir. You know, I don't know who this guy is. And um, I'm in civvies, obviously, and he's in uniform. So, I'm, yes, sir. And he whips into a parking slot, like, right next to me. And he's like, hey, come on over here. So I came over and talked to him. And uh, he was a Citadel grad um, from uh, 3rd Battalion. And he's with uh, one of the, the dive salvage units here in, in Virginia. And, uh, you know, we shared some stories and talked about everything. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm always running into VMI, you know, alumni and stuff or academy. Um, but he was like, it's good to see another Citadel guy out here. So, you know, him and I got to link up and stuff like that. And um, he wants to bring me over to the building and introduce me to, you know, his COXO over there so I can talk to those guys and just kind of see what they get into. Um, so it was just kind of cool, like something simple as, you know, where you went to school. Um, like I said, I run into alumni everywhere. And it's awesome because, you know, he's a, he was a lieutenant commander. So... You know, this guy's an 04, and he's inviting me over as a, a young ensign, just, you know, trying to get me to meet, you know, his his superiors and stuff like that and kind of show me the ropes on, like, what they do, even though that's not my career field. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's, it's pretty cool, like, having that time to kind of branch out and meet new people. Yeah, and I feel like that's one really cool. Like, I got to go um, over to Oceana one day and 
some of my sailors were recording um, a sailor of the year package on the flight line. And so we got to literally like tour this hangar and watch fighter jets take off. And I was like, this is my Top Gun dream. Like, this is amazing, <laughs> you know? And so it's just cool things like that that you don't really think about. But I like as much as we, the, the money aspect of an ISOP is hard because you don't get reimbursed and things like that. Mm-hmm. You do have all this time. Just last week, one of my friends who has known me ever since I was born, I think he's in like year 17 or 18 of the Navy, so he's about to get out, um, down in Jacksonville, came up to Norfolk for a business trip. So basically, they had like a helicopter fall into the water or some like something happened to this helicopter and they need a helicopter down in Jacksonville. So they sent this team up to I am one of the helicopter units at Norfolk to like take apart this helicopter and then put it on a semi to like take it down to Jacksonville. And so he was like, hey, what are you doing after work? And I was like, he's like, you should stop by and like meet everyone and like see it. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I swing by and I like get to the whole tour of the hangar. And so I'm like, by like MH60 Romeos and Sierras. And I got to be, I got to see, um, a CH-53 Sea Stallion, which mm-hmm. I did not realize how big they are. Yeah, and huge. it was cool because at OCS, you do something called OPI, which I talked about um, in episode three of this season. And it's so much information. And sometimes you're sitting there studying OPI and you're like, is this ever going to be applicable? Is this ever going to be important? Like I remember studying navigation and I was like, I will never do navigation ever again in my entire life, you know? But standing in that hangar bay, knowing what those helicopters did and why they were important and what um, ships they go on and what missions they go on, it was like a cool full circle moment for me. Yeah, and it also helps, like you know, you like you said, you get to meet those people who actually, you know, the you get to meet the flight crews, you get to meet the pilots, and you're able to actually hold an intelligent conversation with them and allows you to network more exactly. because you're you you have some kind of common ground to speak on. Yeah, and so that was just cool, just like go and see them. And so that is one of the things I know that probably if I wasn't at an iStop right, right, excuse me, if I wasn't at an iStop right now, I feel like, cause I think about when I come back from my schoolhouse, I'll be prepping for my deployment. So I'm gonna be at the fort, I'm gonna be getting my sailors to their smaller ships, you know, and like setting them up. So I know I'm gonna be way busier. I don't know if I just have an afternoon to go to a helicopter hangar bay and like watch them. And then as we're leaving, they did, they're called I think like hot seats or something where basically like they leave the helicopter running and they just switch out the pilots and they don't have to do like all the checks again Mm -hmm. is what I think it's called and so I'm just like standing there watching this helicopter go and like take off and I was like wow this is so cool you know and so I think that's one of the cool things about iStops is when you have this thing uh tomorrow the USS Bainbridge comes home from their deployment and they're part of the Truman Strike Group and I get to escort um like be a media escort so this radio show and like different reporters and journalists um are getting um escorted onto the base so they can kind of document the homecoming of the u.s brain bridge but like i probably wouldn't have that opportunity had i been busy you know and so that's like kind of the cool thing about iStops and i'm sure i'll get to like network and i feel like what we've talked about is just networking is everything yeah i think you know it also uh like being on an iStop it opens up like your mind to the diversity of jobs you know, because you're, you know, like I said, like, as an IP, I'm getting to, like, meet guys in, like, dive salvage units, yeah. you know? Real quick, like because that. I barely know anything about IPs, and I'm sure the listeners don't either. Mm-hmm. Dive into, like, IPs real quick. Um, So, IP, very base level. Um, we're, what I think, like... What does it stand like, for? 
uh, information professional. We'll, we'll go with that. Designator 1820. Um, but it, think of like your comma. So a communications officer. Yeah. So we deal with communications. We deal with the networks. Um, you know, so uh, that's a very base level of, yeah. you know, like what our job is, what it entails. Um, you know, just think anything to deal with communications or anything to do with the networks in general. That's that's us. So it and kinda, you can go anywhere. You can go with teams. You can go on ships. You can go on commands. Like you're everywhere. You got to think like, all right. So for your guys who are in a firefight, because you know, in case you guys have any, uh, you know, infantry or you know, spec war guys listening and stuff like that, uh, they'll tell you straight up when you get in a gunfight or whatever. What's the first thing to go? Well, Comms. Yeah, because you know, you know, before we had like all this, you know, fancy ear pro and stuff like that. You know, the first thing that goes is your hearing. Boom. You can't communicate, you can't direct your forces, you can't maneuver. Everything just goes out the window. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as an IP, you know, we're we're pretty much an asset to, you know, the fighting forces and stuff like that. So if we don't do our job right, they can't do theirs right. So it's just kind of like base level of what we do, but that's it. All right. And then to close, how about you share kind of what your desired dream path kind of looks like? Oof. Um, desired dream path. Uh, what are you hoping to accomplish? Where are you hoping to go? What are you hoping to see? Um, yes, uh, I would love to lat transfer. Um, nothing is wrong with the IP community whatsoever. Um, I won't touch too much on that, but I, I do want to lat transfer to a different career field. Um, I'd like to follow, follow my father's footsteps uh, with what he did in the Navy. Um, Which I feel like would be so cool because I'm sure you'll get to meet and I'm obviously your dad knows so many people so mm-hmm. to be able to follow in his footsteps and be craft 2.0 would, would be really cool it's it's kind of cool because um a lot of the IP officers that are actually in my building now that I've spoke with um have been IPs for uh units, units units that he was with oh that's, um, that's so cool so that's like so full circle yeah they're they're like Oh, your dad's name sounds familiar, and I'm like, "Yep, that's that's him." You know, so it's it's like one of those. It's it's cool to like meet it from the other side. Um, I'd love to, you know, like I said, transfer and follow in his footsteps. Um, worst case scenario, if I'm not allowed to transfer, being an IP, uh, I think it's going to be a great field. Um, I have opportunities to join those guys, and I have opportunities to do other things. You know, see the boat, be on the shore. Yeah. Um, so you know, I would love to do a full 20 years. Um, you know, everybody says, if you want to do 20, plan for it out the gate. But at the same time, you have to reassess as you go. For sure. Um, so definitely just keep it an open mind. You know, uh, we'll see. Love to have a family one day. So He's single. He's single, y'all. <laughs> for everyone listening, craft single. <laughs> yeah, so I'd uh, love to have a family one day. You know, um, hopefully uh, they take to the military life as I did as a kid. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. I love traveling new places. love making new friends. You're going to have to talk to Kate and I's kid in 10 years and be like, all right, Maverick, this is what you got to do to be the best military kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he'll be all right. He's going to have two two solid parents to, you know, get him by. Well, thanks. So you'll have to be like, all right, this is what my parents did, and I didn't like this, or I did like just, this. Just, <laughs> you know, uh, my dad dealt with uh, a lot of explosives and stuff, um, and they had a, a shirt that they put on me, mm-hmm. and there's pictures of really? me with the shirt, and it says, Daddy's Misfire on it. <laughs> So as long as, you know, like obviously like they got a little bit of humor like tossed in there, <laughs> That's you know, funny. just don't put those like 
in like his you know like yearbook photos like yeah. when he graduates high school you did know. you ever feel like your parents gave you like pressure because like I would love for my kids to join the military like I really want that but I don't want to like pressure them or they feel like that's their only thing that they have to do how do you feel like your parents inspired you to like have this be your path so if we're being honest um my parents honestly didn't want me to do the military route Okay. Um, so, you know, growing up, that's all I wanted to do. Uh, you know, we spent three years in Guam. I got to watch my dad free fall out of planes and stuff like that that's over my crazy. school playground. Wow. Yeah. So I'm at, I'm at the playground and I'm watching him jump out of a plane. So that's, it was... Um, that's insane. That's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. I think where they didn't pressure me and ultimately, like, they wanted me to do something different mm-hmm. um, and kind of branch out into the civilian world and, you know get my degree and you know look into a good well-paying job and enjoy my life enjoy family and stuff um i think where they didn't pressure me i think that's one thing that you know made me more interested because it was something that you know not to be like rebellious but your parents tell you not to do something you know um my dad was like hey like you know i saw this i saw that it wasn't good you know i don't want you to have to deal with the same things i dealt with and he was in during what mm-hmm. what years was he in? Um, he got out in 05, and he did about 24 years. So I must he say, was, so like his end part, like what he remembers the most was mm-hmm. probably the worst. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was very active. And then not only that, as soon as he got out, he was uh, a civilian. So he was a contractor working for the Navy. Um, and he, I would say the first five years after he got out and retired from the military, he was on even more deployments then as a civilian than he did when he was in. Wow. So we thought he was going to be home. Yeah. And he, like, I want to say he retired, and the next month he was gone again. So, it, yeah. Um, it was one of those, like, I almost saw it as a challenge because I told my dad, like, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, we're going to see. So mm-hmm. he would wake up, and he would run with me early. Oh, you know, he would cute. take me, and we'd come down here to the beach, actually. Because mm-hmm. you used to live here. Uh, we didn't live here, but we would visit all the time because okay. he spent a lot of time working over here and has friends who work here, too. So, um, But they would challenge me to go do, you know, swims out in the ocean and stuff like that, and they would just watch me go swim. Wow. You know, so or my, my mom, she would kayak next to me and make sure no boats came close and stuff because they yeah. can't see you out there. But, um, yeah, it was almost like the challenge. And then once he saw that, it, I was, like, you know, full – just full send. That's all I wanted to do. That's what I had my, my sights set on. Um, they gave me the full like love and support. That's so I would say just advice going forward, you know, don't pressure them. Um, have them around it to where yeah. they see it and they see that you enjoy it. They see that you have friends um, and they see that it's a great lifestyle. Uh, but then once they show interest in it, just, you know, throw some fuel on the fire. Just you know, feed the obsession, let them, let them get into it on their own mm-hmm. and then let them make the decision ultimately. And I think that's what made me just like die hard about it. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. You are the best. I'm so grateful that you came into Kate and I's life. You, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Are great. And I'm super excited to see what this next year looks like for you. I feel like it's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a wild one for sure. For well, sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. All right. Well, I will catch you guys next Friday.